Hey there, conductors. If you've ever felt that you're not quite sure what to do next when you're studying a score, maybe you don't even know where to start with a difficult piece. Maybe you study one piece too much and then you realize at the first rehearsal that you don't know another one well enough. Or maybe you're a new conductor and you don't know what score study is. I'm excited to share that I'm finally publishing and sharing my score study checklist. I've been refining this for 12 years now, and I'm so excited to share it. It is going to walk you through my structure, my process to make sure that I learn every score that I need to learn well enough and so that nothing falls through the cracks. So it covers everything that you need to know. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and click it, sign up, and you'll get that score study checklist sent right to your email. You'll also get access to an eight-minute video of me explaining what each section is and how I use it to organize all the music that I need to learn. It's only eight minutes, so it's not going to take you a whole hour to learn how to study better, how to put up a process for your score study and how to make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks. So again, click the link in the show notes, and I hope to see you soon. Now, please enjoy this episode of Podium Time. Okay, welcome to Podium Time. Um, Welcome to another discussion episode. Today, we are talking about um, something that should be happening all over the country this this season, um, and that is uh, looking for and researching master's programs in conducting. Um, This is something that Luke and I did just two years ago um, and that a lot of students are doing absolutely all the time and it's a terrible process. So we're just going to we're just going to chat about that for a little bit. I wouldn't say it's a terrible process, but I definitely think it's something that takes a lot more time than you expect. It's it's an investment that I that is very worth um, putting your time into. And there are a lot of things to consider. Um, So that's that's what we're going to talk about today. So kind of the first step is. Um, is just literally finding schools. Um, so if you're if you're looking to go into a master's in conducting, if you're graduating this year, um, just be aware that most applications are due December first or fifteenth. Or um, so your research and preparation has to be happening now to start um, next fall. A lot of the schools that you can be looking at are, of course, the ones where you know people or ones where you've worked with the professors. Um, that's just a really great place to start. Ones that are near you. Um, I, I know Luke and I, I went to Missouri State for my undergrad because my dad taught there and I had a friend, I had friends there and I went to their summer um, strings program. So I knew a lot of the professors and I was already in there. So that was an easy choice for my undergraduate. My master's, I spent a couple months researching and I ended up going to a school that I had that I didn't know existed before I started my research. Luke, how did you find Missouri State for your undergrad? Well, I mean, I was from Springfield, so it was kind of the natural decision for me. My my teacher, um, my first music teacher, she graduated from there. Um and she studied with Dr. Collins. Um and so that's I kind of went to Missouri State for my undergrad to study with Dr. Collins. So that's, that's how I got in there. Um, as far as like for my master's program, um, it was one of those things that actually, uh, since Dr. Quebman had retired, um, I was a little timid about applying to the program because Dr. Kelts came in, in my senior year and I wasn't too sure about him. <laughs> Um, 
but then, you know, it was one of those things I, I had planned on a plot, like wanting to go into orchestral conducting and study with Dr. Quedman. And, and then uh, he announced his retirement and everything kind of got turned upside down. But being from Springfield, I, I'm i one of those people that finan- financially traveling and moving somewhere wasn't going to work for me. So I might not be the best person to ask because my <laughs> mind was made up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just it worked out really well that. Dr. Kelts and I got along and he wound up being an absolutely incredible teacher. And um, I'm very grateful for my experience at MSU, but yeah, I actually, I, I didn't even apply anywhere else. Mm-hmm. One of, so I think this is going to be more of a Jeremy conversation. Okay. You know, the doctoral, the doctoral thing, that's a whole nother, I've done a lot of research into that. So, which is just kind of the same thing, just on a, a bigger scale. Yeah. The first challenge is kind of, um, you know, finding programs because um, everyone knows Juilliard and Eastman and Curtis and all these all these big schools. There's Indiana, there's North Texas, um, there's Oberlin. Um, you know, you can you can go on and on and on. Um, but there are also a lot of smaller schools that are that are very good. And actually, the advice that I got um, from uh, from a conductor as I was looking at master's programs. Um, he said, for your doctorate, look at, look at the really big schools. Um, but for your master's consider, um, finding a smaller school with a, with a good music program or a school that only accepts a very limited number of students. Um, and that is because at, at some of the bigger schools, when you're a master's student, there are a bunch of other doctoral students that are, <laughs> that are getting, um, first dibs on the podium time. And that's really one of the most important things, um, as, as is obvious, um, to become a conductor is actually conducting. Um, so I haven't been to any of these, any of these big name schools, but I've, um, but I'm, I followed that advice and I found a school where I was the only conductor. And I know that that really helped a lot. And I was very glad that I did that. This, um, this conductor that told me to do this, did that. And he was the only conducting student at all. There were, I think he said there were no choir or band conductors so he ended up in his master's getting as as much podium time as you know as three different students because he happened to be the only one at a good music school that just didn't have a very famous um, music program so that's definitely something to consider is the size of programs that you're looking at again everybody knows about the big schools but if you can find a friend or find somebody um, or visit some of these some of these smaller schools, especially if you're masters, where you won't have the competition for the podium that you will at the bigger schools. Um, I went to Colorado State University for my masters, and um, I'd like to share the story of just how I found that. Because again, like I said, I didn't know that this program existed when I came out here. Um, I was looking at Colorado because I worked with Lawrence Galan who we interviewed before I worked with him at Bard and and so did Luke. So I came out actually to look at his program at Lamont. Um, And that program only accepts one student per year. So he has two students going while I was out here visiting that school. um, I decided to go and visit all the other schools in the area. Um, In Colorado, there are uh, some, actually a lot of really good music schools really close to each other. There's DU in Denver and then about an hour away is uh, CU Boulder, 
in Boulder. Another hour away is uh, Colorado State in Fort Collins and then University of Northern Colorado in Greeley. So there are so there are a bunch of really good music schools right here. So I went and visited them all and I ended up, I had heard of Boulder and I'd heard of Lamont, but I had not heard of UNC and I had not heard of CSU. So I ended up um, visiting all four schools and just really connecting with, um, with Wes Kenny, with the teacher at CSU. And so I, I applied and I ended up deciding on that one. And again, that's a school that I did not know even existed when I came out here looking. Um, and, um, that kind of brings me to the next point that we wanted to talk about, which is reaching out to professors. Um, I think there's a tendency when we're applying to schools, um, to just kind of throw out applications. And when you're looking for a school, you're looking for performance opportunities. You're looking for the program, the history, the school itself. But I think really what you're looking for is above all that other stuff is a mentor for two years um, or three years or however long your master's or doctorate, you know, whatever degree you're going for. Um, so I think, and, and Luke and I, I know we both agree on this, that really what you're looking for is not necessarily the program. It's the teacher that you're going to be working with. That person is going to, you know, look through all the applications, look through the videos. But if you do go to that school, that person is also going to be who you're spending the next two years working very closely with and taking lessons with every week. And um, then for the next X number of years after you graduate, who is going to be another professional contact, who's going to probably still be a mentor in some way. Um, so while you're looking for schools, look for those small ones and then reach out to people. If you can't go and visit them, I was lucky enough to be able to come out and actually go to some rehearsals um, and watch watch the teachers work, sit and have a meeting with them um, and really see how we got along, talk with them about their philosophies. Um, this is a, this is a really important thing because, again, you want to know that your professional relationship with this teacher is going to be one that is worth um I guess that is worth the tuition and worth worth the cost in both money and time and effort. Um, and yeah, so reach out, <laughs> reach out to people, talk to them on the phone or email them back and forth. And if you're trying to get into a school, that's also a much better way to get into it because then they know who you are. They know you actually reached out um, and they have a face and a voice and everything and a personality to put with your uh to put with your resume and your videos well yeah not just that i, I mean i think visiting the campus seeing the facilities that you're going to be using um if you can i think it's so important to watch a rehearsal if you can go and visit the campus for a day and sit in on an orchestra rehearsal and not just see you know you want to meet you want to meet your potential instructor on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Yes. But you also want to see how they work with um, the ensemble as a whole. I think that's really important as well to kind of see how, how they work their rehearsals, what kind of personality they have, you know, um, especially if it's early on in the rehearsal cycle and things might not be going well, it's a really good time to see what kind of personality comes out. <laughs> and um, a lot of orchestras have their, like, you know, videos on YouTube or whatever, conductors have their 
their website and their bio and everything. So go, you know, go look them up, do some, do some research and, and reach out to them. Especially if you like their like physical conducting style. Um, that's, that's a, that's a good sign, but consider also if somebody has a very different style, that's a different type of learning that you may get from it. So don't rule somebody out um, because you don't like the way they look on the podium because you may still learn, um, learn a lot, especially if it's contrary to what you've been taught before. Yeah, you know, one of the things in looking for a doctoral program that Dr. Kellis told me was that um, to look for a program that I feel is a good counter program to what I've had, you know, and in that it finds whatever I feel like maybe I'm still weak at or could use the most benefit from and pursue a teacher who's really proficient in that, whether it be, you know, if you're really proficient in the technical side of conducting, but maybe you lack you know, a more artistic element, find somebody who's really artistic in their conducting and, and go learn from them because then you're going to be covering a base that you're not really familiar with. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to look exactly like them. Um, but they're going to teach you things that you haven't been taught yet. And then you can, you know, you can pick and choose. It's, it's kind of like going to a workshop, except you're just there for, you know, two years, 24 seven, you never get to leave especially if you have an assistantship. That's a good thing too. For, look for financial aid. Um, consider, consider state schools. Again, don't, don't only go for those, for those big name schools because there's also going to be a lot of competition for money. They have a lot of money usually, but there's also a lot of competition for those scholarships and grants and assistantships. Um, that's another reason that reaching out to the professor can be a good idea um, because you can get a better sense of what the assistantship thing is like what that um not culture but what the, what the system they have set up is you know what kind of chances there are um yeah and also i think talking to alumni of the program i didn't when i was searching for schools um but i did once once i decided on a school um i reached out to some of the other students that had graduated from that program um and again we've had two of them on our podcast it was a very early episode um, but we we talked with um, Adam Torres and Noel Bauman after our um, discussion on putting a concert together into in the two rehearsals, the Zion Festival Orchestra. Um, and those are two students or two conductors, excuse me, that um, that have been a pretty big part of my career over here um, because they graduated, but they're still in the area and they're still active. So those alumni are also going to be um part of a network that you can learn from and that you can help and that you can, you can be a part of and you can gossip about your teacher and that kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> not gossip, but you know, you can, you can share, you can share jokes, share the tea. Yes. Share some tea. I've got coffee. I don't have tea right now. I have coffee, but I always have some tea. Good. Like always all the time. Well, I, I, I mean, if you ask, I probably have something else, Bill. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've, we've talked about, you know, finding programs, um, talking with professors, talking with alumni. It's kind of, I, I had a lot of trouble finding out more about schools because a lot of schools don't have very much information on their website. It's quite difficult to figure, find out what tuition is sometimes. Um, it's sometimes it's very hard to just find out what's, required for the program. Um, but as much research as you can do, and again, find those find those smaller schools that you don't know about. Because if you're going for your master's, 
you need podium time. Um, and if you're going to a school that also has doctoral students, you're going to learn a lot from the competition with them. And you're going to learn a lot from from great colleagues. And and I'm not trying to disparage any of those programs, um, but consider the competition for podium time in your um, in your time during your degree, because, again, it's we've heard you've heard time and time and again from interviews on this podcast and probably from your teachers and everywhere else podium time is absolutely what matters in in becoming a better conductor and and getting to that point and we're not just talking about this podcast no i mean this is so important also <laughs> i remember the the moment that i realized i'd been trying to we, luke and i had been planning to do the podcast for a while um and this is actually when we were at bard god i want to start this but i don't know what to call it and of course that was start that was stopping me from actually starting it um, and then I was just sitting there and, and I was like, oh, podium time. Hey, that's a great idea. And then I wrote it down and the rest is history. Then we, and here we are. Here we are. And then like four months later, we had our first interview with Joanne. Um, yeah. And a little, little teaser. Um, yesterday we had another interview with Joanne. So look forward to that coming out next week. I believe, no, two weeks, two weeks, three weeks. In, a, in some number of weeks. I'm not doing the math right in my head. Um, one thing that I forgot to mention earlier for finding those master's and doctoral and other programs, there is a book that you may have at your school's library. I was trying to find the title of it um, right before we recorded, but it's very difficult to find because it's not the most popular book. It is something like a catalog of music schools in North America and Canada, and it's literally a catalog of music schools in North America and Canada. Um, one of the really nice features, and I'll, I'll find the book and I'll, I'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, it didn't help me find this program, but it's, it's, it's a good way to go and look at programs because they're organized by state um, or you can have them organized by literally the degree. So there's a section of the book. You can find um, PhDs in conducting. And then you can find in a separate area DMAs in conducting. Like it's that it's that specific that it actually makes that distinction. Um, and then it'll list every single program in the U.S. and Canada. Um, so that's a great resource that I couldn't find. Um, so I need to go back and do some research. The last time I, I tried to find this book for somebody, I had to call my old library and tell the student worker where it was in the library and what it looks like so that they can, <laughs> so that they could walk over the shelf and try to find it for me just so I could find out what the exact title was. I need to just write it down or buy the book. Yeah, because I know uh, you sent me the portion about the doctoral programs. That's been very helpful. Yeah, yeah. I took pictures of those, just a list of every every doctoral conducting program in the U.S. and Canada. Um and I guess I can, I don't know if I'm allowed to post that because it's like a book you have to buy. Um, we'll see. Maybe reach out to me and I can send you the pictures if you're interested. Reach out if you'd like that that list of doctoral programs because um, I was also looking at those for a while. Uh, any other comments, Luke? I think we, we, we talked a lot about a lot in this episode and um, coming up, we're going to be talking about how to apply for those schools once you find them some tips for putting your videos together, some tips for applications, all that nice stuff. I think we're good. Cool. I'm happy. All right. Well, until next time. Until next time, which is going to be, I guess, next week. Since we're doing every week, I'm excited for this every week. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening.